0: Featuring tales to terrify and far-fetched fables. Everyone much. has a story in the District I've of Wonders. Come and find yours.
3: This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello, and welcome to show 551. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Well, it does seem that our summer may have come to an end. There. Yes, for th- I think three days now, we've had constant rain. <laughs> and Oh, them giddy heights of wearing shorts and sliders has all been dashed. Dashed, should I say. Oh, what a shame. But my allotment is just Guzzling up this water that's coming down. And if you follow us on Instagram, you might see some, like, some, oh, you will see some of your pictures there. It's just flourishing away there. And if you pop it over YouTube, you'll see it's kind of digging and picking and doing this and that. No, it's a it's a way. So, anyways, let us get into today's show. It is, we've got a main fiction. It is Out of the Blue and Into the Black by Luke Heinmarsh. Yes, how it is, a, it is a fantastic story, and it's narrated by Pixie Willow. So I'll give you a little heads up. Well, actually, before that, I think we should do the Patreon honours. Yes, Patreon is now standing at 431. Yes, last week was 426. So a big, big thank you. And the people that I need to thank are... Brian Waters. Brian, sir. Thank you so much. Oh, that's a nice one. That's a nice donation. Thank you so much indeed. Zach, man. Zach. Yeah, you're a star, lad. You're a bloody star. And Ted Weeks. Ted, thank you so much indeed. Jonathan Marcus. Jonathan, sir. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And just today, just this morning, should I say, Paul, audiobook reviewer, has pledged as well. So, Paul. You so that's that's an easy one to read there, but thank you so much. So everyone, thank you indeed. You are good stars. I I whisper it. Good stars, thank you so much. So like I see? The main fiction is Out of the Blue and Into the Black by Luke Heinmarsh. Luke E.T. Hindmarsh was born in Oxford, UK before being dragged all over the world by his parents, courtesy of the Royal Air Force. Before starting to write full-time, he worked as a criminal barrister in London for 10 years, which doesn't qualify him to make good coffee, but it did mean he had to wear a wig and gown in court. He now lives in the Scandinavian wilds of Denmark. With his wife and half Viking children. That's great, man. His first novel, an SF crime thriller called Mercury's Son, was published by Crossroads Press in 2017. And look, I'm going over there now and I'm just treating myself to a little book because I'm going on my happy holidays. So I'm going for the paperback. Yes, I'm going to go for the paperback of that Mercury's Son. So it just sounds right up my street. To be honest, it was a cross between Memento and Blade Runner. Well, (laughs) you know, even with that little tagline, that'll do for me. That's that's got my cash there. So look, that I'm looking forward to that. When not writing, Luke teaches karate, works on his motorcycle, and pretends he can play the guitar. I love that pretends. (laughs) Shut the get get your dad get him out there, man. Stand the packet in. This story is narrated by Pixie Willow. Pixie is a voice actor, cabaret performer and slam poet from the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. She is currently finishing her BA in theatre performance and creative writing at the University of New England. She enjoys writing short short fiction, her own brand of weird poetry, plays for radio and stage and is currently producing her first play for children. She hosts the Offbeat Poetry Slam held bi-monthly in the Blue Mountains and is the theatre reviewer for Second User FM in Sydney. Pixie is also the narrator for Antipodbean SF. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present...
1: Out of the Blue, Into the Black, by Luke E.T. Hindmarsh. I woke early to the blare of the New York slums. Still curled around Davy, keeping my boy warm the only way I could. He stretched and rubbed his eyes. It's still dark. Why can't they keep quiet, Mama? Company Airbus leaves as soon as it's filled. We've got to be up, digging our elbows in, I said. Now they're taking anyone, getting in the door will be a nightmare. Every other cutter's going to be chasing a better life off-world. Today's our day, though, isn't it? I brushed an unruly lock of hair from his face. Yeah, we're leaving the stir, leaving all the slums for good. His little face turned up to me full of determination and hope. I ran a hand through his hair, thinking of the non-stop messages beamed direct onto the retinas of the surging masses in the streets. Some would cover their eyes or look down, but most of us gazed up at the visions of pristine wilderness and hardy settlers, the leaders of a new world. I knew how the dream had captured Davy. It had captured me in the same way. Rolling off the packing material that was our makeshift bed, I got up, aching all over, and my left breast feeling sore and swollen. "'Are you okay, Mama?' I grunted, nodding away his concern. I didn't need to look myself over to know that my chest would be blue-black.' Nothing like getting sucker-punched by another cutter. Still, my competition would be nursing a pair of bruised balls this morning if he hadn't bled out from the cut I'd slashed along his forearm. Fair trade by street rules. The going price for a hit. Oh, but how I needed that hit before we could get going. Something to take the edge off and fire me up for the big adventure. Away from all this useless slum rats. Time was I'd been just like them. "'Eyes down, scrabbling for whatever scraps I could find "'or scrag from some other cutter. "'But those adverts had given me a dream. "'Worse than that, the echo of a drug more addictive and dangerous "'than any I could scrounge on the streets. "'Hope. "'Go into the back, Davy. Mama needs her medicine. "'Yes, Mama.' "'White eyes fixed on me, but he bowed his head "'and scurried into the cramped storage room we use for a toilet.' Shaking my boot, I caught the old kind lighter as it fell out, shook it until the charge registered and sparked the coil's white heat against my needle. Stay clean, they'd said, back in the day. Yeah, clean, that's what I told Davy. but truth was, only the needle needed to be clean. Fuck staying on the straight side of sober in the stir. I waited until the end of the needle I held between my two fingers burned me, and I stowed the lighter. They wouldn't let me take it where we were going, and maybe it was the last time I'd ever need it. Or the blue, God, I wished for that. Yet some things are hard to let go of. I peeled back the wrapper on the last hit I'd hustled, Severn Corp's finest noon tropic polymetamine, and screwed the needle into place on the capsule scrawled with the company logo. It was a bad fit; the pack wasn't meant for a microderm, not some old hypo, but it would work all the same. Just a sting, and then... Oh, that's just... Oh. As I chased the sweet fluid right into my arm, careful to avoid the veins, didn't want a heart rush ruining my day. I needed the help of a slow dose. The cramped, junk-filled space of our room receded, and everything came up shiny and new. Deep focus. How I loved going into the blue. But it was hiding, and I wasn't about that. Not anymore. Time I stepped to and didn't look back. Davy, I called. Let's go. He crept back into the room, watching my every move. I knew what he was thinking, remembering the times a hit had made me angry or sent me sprawling. It's okay. I'm okay. We'd best be going, is all. I'm hungry, Davy said. We'll eat soon. Pulling my boots on and stowing my needle, I burrowed through the junk I'd used to block the doorway. Outside, laying in the corridor, were half a dozen slummers. One lay sprawled with his throat cut. Random, or one of the cutters I'd run a scam on. If Katex or any of the others was hunting us now, now was the time to be getting out of this shithole. Permanently. Still, this being the middle of the stir, maybe it was just a joy kill, Another good morning, sunshine day. Davy, wait there, don't come out. Glancing over my shoulder to make sure he'd done as I'd told him, I rolled the corpse, just to be sure they'd stripped him of everything except the blood-soaked rags that covered him. The others floated on, riding on whatever high they'd taken to sleep, exposed like this. Come to Mama, I said. There's a debtor. Don't slip on the blood. Davy crawled out of the room, eyes screwed tight. I held his hand and led him past the sleeper's. "'What do you think about this?' I asked Davy, turning his face towards the bodies. "'Never sleep outside.' He'd been listening after all. "'Good,' I said. "'The rest of these will have been picked clean of anything worth a new gyro by whoever drew the Syracuse smile on the deader.' "'Yes, Mamma, he said, still trying to look away from the corpse. "'Weakness. I'd have forced him to look up close, but the buses would be leaving soon. "'We only had time to scrounge up a last breakfast.' I found a street vendor and juked him for a stale bun, ignoring the enticing smell of cooking meat. Rule one. Never pay for what you can take. Good. And the gong chai chicken is off the menu, remember? Yes, Mama, Davy said. Took me one too many times puking blood to learn that. You tell me why. Mama, every cutter knows, so tell me. Rat meat. Season to hide the taste, but you never know if they used a poison trap or not.' "'I nodded, threw him the bun. "'Despite the tempting smell, I could ignore the rumbling in my guts now. "'I was in the blue. "'All of this junk around me, the dust, the grime, the street scum, "'ready to make you given half a chance. "'It all faded to a background noise. "'We were as safe as you could be on these streets. "'No one would mess with us as we went on our way.' Not with me, a cutter, my face clear out, screaming that I was amped up and flying skywards. A pristine white tower of the Severn Court bus terminal reared up from the swamp of human debris and broken-down tenements that surrounded it. As we neared it, the bus-white cylinder rimmed with turbofans rose into the sky to arc off through the morning smog, hazing the air around and keeping the sun from sight. It flickered the dream of blue skies and green fields over my eyes. While it lasted, I stood in awe. Davy's hand squeezed mine. "'We'll be late, Mamma. I nodded and lowered my head from the virtual dream. Hang out too long, we'd miss our place. We were getting on one of those buses if I had to beat a slumber down and crawl over his twitching body. I thought about Sula then, the blue letting my mind run a hundred miles an hour on eight tracks of dazzle. His touch, his smell and that final look he'd given me when he'd hopped a bus out of our lives to another world that I will never find. Did Davy feel the same? Driven to follow his father, even though chances were he was out of reach forever. We skidded into the solid mass of the crowd at the terminal and found no way through the reeking flesh. What do we do, Mamma? Davy asked. It'll be hard, I said, but I know a way in. His hand was still in mine. I'd miss that touch the day he'd no longer need me. The day he could step to without help. No time to second-guess myself. Down one of the alleys near the terminal, I could feel the tightening of Davy's grip that he knew where we were going. Mama, no, please, take me with you. Davy, I can't get us both in over the roofs. You're old enough now. You have to do this. Mama, please. I crouched down and looked him in the eye. I'm getting on that bus. If you want to come with me, you have to get past the fence on your own. He hung his head. I knew he was afraid, but I had no room for emotion. Besides, the blue blaze in my mind was clearing away the clutter of sympathy and leaving only clean logic. This was the way. I'm scared, Mama. I cuffed him across the head. A cutter has no use for fear. Now step two, street style. Looking up at me, I saw his face the same expression his father had worn every time before hitting the pits to fight for food. I stalked away without looking back, not able to watch him climb down the narrow space in the cracked sidewalk, down to where the filth of the city flowed. My way was easier. I had been hopping chasms in the cracked earth outside the slums since I was strong enough to hold my own weight. At three or four years older than my boy, I'd been running the rooftops— my fingers found a grip in the grimy walls of the prefab, above the crumbling masonry of an old-town tenement. I was roofside seconds later. Every handhold, every step, every leapt out at me, my mind still supercharged and angling away from worry. Nothing in my way save two rooftops and the terminal fence. I was over them before the guards even heard me inside the terminal. No checks on me, no bribes, no running my iris print through the records. Squatted in the shadows by a drain cover, wanting to cool down. If I did, ten to one the guards would notice and all this would be for nothing. There wasn't much I could do for Davy now. If he'd taken a wrong turn, I'd never see him again. If he took too long, the rats would get him, taking their toll of flesh on all their number we've barbecued. I tore a strip off my clothing, wadded it around my kind lighter and set it to ignite. Dropping the bundle down the drain, I held my breath. No splash. A second later, the cloth flared alight. Not much, but maybe enough. The flame burned out. I sat rocking back and forth on my heels. Another buff took off its wine, making me grip my teeth. Soon it would be too late. Stay or go. Take my own chance of freedom before it slipped away. A filth-smeared hand emerged from the drain. I grabbed it, pulling the bony arm until the rest of Davy appeared. His face was bleeding, but I relaxed when I saw it was a cut, not a bite. There's nothing between us and the endless sky now, sweetheart. I held him tight. Just a bus and a rocket ride to space. Devi breathed deep, but kept silent. One of the blue tracks in my mind started the beat pods of my memory, whirring fragments of pre-burnout songs coming back to me. My own mama-san's favourite the one she'd sung to me as a squealing brat while she'd ridden the dragon down the sweet escape of oblivion after another night earning her way. I started humming along. Come on, we've got to run, I said. Ahead of us was the last of the buses to leave. Back door open, space left inside. I dragged Davy along. A young woman carrying her baby was waiting to get on, and a middle-aged slummer, a real degenerate, was running for it, off to our side as if they'd have wanted a waste of skin like him, out in the new colonies. I paced him, almost carrying Davy, waiting for our chance. If there was some final check before getting on the bus, maybe I could use them as cover, reach the back door, room for one, maybe two. We'd make the space. You'd be surprised at how much people can squeeze themselves down when there's no choice. This is it, I whispered to Davy. Stay close his hand tightened but all i heard from him was panting breath mother and baby on first i could try and muscle past them but cutter has got to have some shred of honor the only thing i had left to show my son besides there'd be someone on board who'd get hot if i did the next thing would be security stomping down on us with her and her brat on board the door started to close i looked at the middle-aged scrag he looked at me Looked like he was about to speak, and I didn't give him the chance. I drove one of my bony elbows into the side of his head, not stopping to see the result. I pushed Davy forward, stucked under the door as it folded, forced us into the crushing mass of people. The brat in the woman's arms started bawling, but I didn't care. Davy was pressed in front of me, wide eyes looking up. I could see the confusion there, the the question. No one's going to give a damn about some old scragger, I said breathing my words into his filth-streaked hair. I couldn't say more. The bus began to move, and the pressure of buses screamed. The, the pressure of bodies squeezed the breath from me. After a stifling nightmare ride, with the polymetamine fading from me and the shakes coming after, we touched down in the thin air of the plateau that held Severum Corp's mag launcher. Ready to be flung outwards, a shaking, sweating space monkey scratching inside my skull and screeching for another hit. Screw that. We're going into the black, baby. I squeezed Davy, never coming back. He looked around, mouth open. Everything's so clean. I grunted, squinting into the sharp sunlight. I scratched my arm, feeling the old itch begin. Nothing and nobody to meet us. A mechanized voice boomed from somewhere. Come forward, line up. Put your thumbs on display. Place all weapons and sharps and narcotics in the drop shoots. Do this, do that, Davy said. I know, slum rats only do what we're told when someone points a gun our way or beats us with a nerve wrench, but n- this time we play nice, understand? I'll be good, Mama. Soon we'll be off this junk pile. Once we're out of there, a new world will be ours, won't it? Will Dada be there? "'Maybe,' I said and fell silent. "'I was going to carve out our piece of whatever world we landed on. "'Fuck Sula for running out on us. "'Anything's better than the cesspit we've come from, right?' "'Pressed into me again, he could only nod. "'The launch into heaven was simple. "'Easy as a doe sliding in the arm, easier than the bus ride to get there. "'The voiceover told us it was cheaper, too.' "'Hurling us from the earth's choking grip "'cost less energy than shipping us across the state line had. "'We lined up and filed into a metallic sphere. "'It's like the smash-me-balls "'we used to throw at the other street kids,' Davy said. "'I grunted. I'd done the same at his age. "'We were thrown straight into the void. "'I looked to see where Davy was strapped in. "'His eyes were closed and he'd gone pale, "'but I felt a surge of pride in my boy.' Unlike me and most of the adults around him, he hadn't shamed himself. There was a lurch and the clank of metal against the outside of the sphere. Some announcement began about the ship we would be loaded on, but I was too busy dry heaving and trying to avoid looking at the floating mess of piss and puke and the filthy mass of us had made. "'What's happening, Mama?' Davy asked. "'Free fall. That's all.' The transition into station gravity as it whirled around the Earth caused a second wave of vomit from the future colonists. I felt much the same, part of the return of gravity pulling our guts out to where they should be and part of the sloping drop of the puke piss ball to the floor of the launch sphere. This time, even my brave little boy lost control. I tried to smile at him, to comfort him, but I couldn't let him go soft. The shock and the nausea sent me plummeting down the well of withdrawal. Minutes or hours later, it all meant the same to me in the hot agony of my come-down. I swam back to see Davy struggling with the harness that held me. I think we've moved somewhere else from where they first put us, Mama, he said. I, uh, I didn't mean to go out like that, I said, popping the buckles that held me and stepping free. I gathered him into my arms, and as everyone else began to file out the hatchway. Wiping my mouth clear of the trail of mucus, I pulled Davy along. We weren't the last to get out of the sphere, but we were trailing. That just wouldn't do. We're not coming out here to be left at the back of the pack. I elbowed my way forwards, dragging him after me. We might be out of the stir, but slum rules still apply, far as I can see. A cutter doesn't let someone step too in front of them. Davy parroted the words I'd taught him. There was a moment of dizziness as we crossed over from the sphere into a wide tube that led to a gaping airlock door. Faint vibrations came from the cross-hatched metal floor beneath us. The effect was unsettling to my already tortured guts on what I wouldn't have given for a wedge of blue driven into my arm right then. And you can't go up, sometimes you need to go down. "'trank out the noise. "'Even a straight-to-vein speedball would have sorted me out, "'or a gasp on a pipe, but I was shit out of luck. "'And I needed to keep it together, for him, if not for me. "'Continue along the docking tube without delay,' The canned voice said. "'We emerged from the tube into a vast open area, "'some kind of storage bay on the spaceship "'destined to take us to another world.' People were pouring out from about a hundred tubes all along in through what looked like a single giant airlock that had been docked with the orbital station. Another mechanical voice kept spitting out numbers. What's it saying? Davy asked. I shook my head, not knowing what to tell him. It couldn't be a head count. It was too high. Then again, looking around, maybe there were already twenty thousand plus people crammed in. "'Most of them are just slum-rats like us,' Davy said. "'But those ones look different.' "'He pointed to a group standing with slumped shoulders. "'They gave off different feeling that was for sure less hopeful. "'More resigned. "'I don't know, Davy. "'I said political prisoners, maybe? "'Dumb rich kids who spanked all their money "'and now either pay their debts with their organs or escape the world?' Why should we care? We're not in this to make friends. The blur of instructions coming from the wall continued, and like the rest of the herd, Davy and I followed. Shoving my way through the milling people, I found a large casket, strapped my boy down in one and put myself in the one next to him. Both lurched upwards towards the centre of the hold, and I saw that each casket was one of hundreds on a rack. Now we lay staring at the call of of the cavernous cargo hold. "'surrounded by the burr of thousands of voices. "'What are these things, Mama?' he asked me, sounding very small. "'The machine told us not to worry. "'We're going on a trip, and it'll seem short. "'I think these boxes will make us sleep through the journey. "'Will it hurt? "'Haven't I taught you better than to worry about a little pain? "'Besides, that voice said something about time dilation "'and the ship we're in being hurled across space at some number and letter.' 99.999C, he said. What does that mean? Look, who cares, right? We'll be there soon and our problems will be over. I said it as much for my own benefit as his. Some of the other slummers around us. (laughs) No, scrap that. We were colonists now. We weren't goddamn slum rats anymore. My boy and I would not always be cutters now. We'd be colonist cutters. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Show some goddamn respect to the heroes of the age. Anyway, our fellow pioneers, they wanted to talk, but not to us. The dangerous edge was still visible. The don't fuck with me look I had worked on all my life. The conversations buzzed around us. Excitement. Some fear. Talk of how the promise of null point energy was finally setting us all free. But Davy and me... We were outside their little groups, above them. That's what I told myself. Only a little girl, three or four bods over, looked at us. She must have been, what, eight years old? Close enough to Davy's age that maybe they'd be friends when they got to where they were going. There was a twist to her lips as if she wanted to smile but didn't know how. I knew that feeling. Fifteen years ago, that could have been me. Right before Mamma san died and I started stepping too, so I didn't have to earn night pay. Before Davy, before Sula, before my first flash of blue. Something made me want to tell her it was all right. Spout the same crap I'd given Davy. We're on our way to a brighter day, a real future. I'd even believe that bull, but her mother, or at least the woman with her, never a good idea to make assumptions with slum rats, even ones turned colonists turned her head away and said something sharp to her. I didn't quite catch it, but it was okay. The old smile, that self-mocking and savage cleaved my face. Forget the stupid kid already. Davy could find his own friends if he was weak enough to need any. There was a metallic grating as the tubes retracted. The airlock clanged shut, lights out. Mama, Davy said. I opened my mouth to tell him there was nothing to worry about to keep his edge, but a thrumming pressure in the air squashed the breath from me. Towers rose from the floor and walls of the cargo bay. Even as I fought for breath, the dark tips ground towards each other, sparked, filled the centre of the bay with crackling field of energy. I looked into the light and felt a shocking pain surge through me. The light was gone, and the pressure... All I could hear was the groan that ran through the air from the people or the ship. I heard it as the wail of the damned as they feel their first heat of the fires. Some of that last dissolving polymetamine was amping up my brain or just an echo of who I might have been. A weak mule without the education of the streets, the hard lessons of the slums. The thought of her disgusted me. She'd never been a fit mother for die Davy Never had the nads to school him right the hard way. The only way. The lights came back up and everything shuddered. Davy? I'm okay, Mama. Is it over already? I think so. Hold tight, I'll... I was pulled forwards hard against the restraints until I felt like they were going to cut me apart. A sudden final jolt and then the queasy falling sensation of zero... zero. I was pulled forwards... Hard against the restraints until they felt like they were going to cut me apart. A sudden final jolt, and then the queasy falling sensation of zero g returned. Moans came from all directions. My Davy stayed quiet. Here we are, out there, like I always promised you. Yes, Mama. The digitised voice hadn't lied when it told us that the caskets we lay in would make the trip seem to last only seconds, while our time would really shorten to less than ten days as nearly six years burned by on the stinking, sweating wreck of the earth. I didn't understand how time could evaporate as we sped up and slowed down. (laughs) What did it matter to me? All I knew was that out here was our new home, some perfect crystal ready to be grabbed, to be laid at my boy's feet. The clanking of the airlock docking ran through the ship. So we're not landing planet side, I said. I think that was when everyone realized our destination was no new Eden. The same moment, all the hairs on my body leapt to attention. The air recyclers in the passenger bay were nearly twenty, thirty, however many thousand of us had hung in our straps as the ship decelerated, sighed, and stopped no airflow it wasn't a hard equation, even for my street schooling, a space as cramped as the luxury passenger bay we all shared wouldn't hold enough oxy for so many people to breathe for so long I wasn't the only one who came to the realisation that we needed out and soon so much for being treated like brave pioneers I said, Davy can you get loose yes mamma I heard his restraints click while I still groped to release mine. Slumrats, should have known better. Be ready. I found his hand and pulled him, so he drifted over to me. His bony frame was shaking, and I might have called him on it, but it had sunk in. It had been staring me in the face, and I'd have seen it long before if I hadn't been skidding along on a come down. Or was it that I'd been dazzled by looking up at the stars and had missed that I was stepping in shit and dragging my boy with me? Whatever. Now every street instinct was buzzing, my hands itched for a blade or a pipe, anything to give me the edge, let me fuck up anyone who got in the way. Nothing. In the cramped conditions, each desperate movement touched our neighbours, someone else fighting to release the catches that held them from floating free in the microgravity. The man to our right had freed one of his arms before the last burst of deceleration. Now it had ended, I could see the ragged ends of bone piercing the skin of his forearm. His head lolled towards me, and I could see he'd bitten through his tongue. It was more than I could take just then, cutter or no cutter. I turned my head away, and at that moment found my own release catch. Free. I drove upwards with my legs towards the exit, shielding Davy with my body. Soaring through the bay, we joined the others— A flight of dirty angels. We glided towards the airlock as it began to cycle. Some colonists banged into each other, bouncing off and wheeling into the path of other desperate men and women and children. Some had mistimed their leap for freedom and smashed hard into the bay walls, blood arcing out into crimson sprays to hang jewel-like in the cloying air. I slammed into the side of the airlock and managed to get a grip, swung Davy into the opening. You good? Yes, Mama, I got a handhold. All around us, others were missing and bouncing off, but I caught the young girl with the stillborn smile and helped her up, pulled myself up after and grabbed hold of Davy. "'We take the front, Mama,' he said. I only grunted. Ahead of us, lights flashed on and off, creating a glittering path on every wall to lead the way. "'Why isn't it talking to us anymore?' Davy asked. I kept on pulling us forward, puzzling over what he'd said— The lack of verbal instructions, it meant something. The chicken ship voiceover stayed back home. That's all, I said. At the end of the airlock was a revolving tube like the one we'd taken from the launch sphere into this hole, but much wider and covered in grime. It was so dirty it gave me a sudden longing for the stir, for home. I pulled us into it and found myself pressed into a wall. Now became my floor. Davy stood up first. Behind, I could hear others joining us, but we were front of the line. We're stepping too, Mama. Despite my doubts, I was proud of him, right then. As proud as I'd ever been, pushing Davy behind me, I marched forwards. We came to a corridor that angled down. Just a curve in the orbital station that we'd docked with. I thought, some rotational gravity thing, but no. My first step forward sent me sliding. Davy, look out! I was too surprised to say any more, but the others behind me did, screaming warnings, as if anyone would listen. With the air getting thick, and this the only escape, the chute spiralled for a hundred metres, too, and as the end of it came in sight, my fingers caught a welded joint on the metal. It cut me, but I held on. Riding on a diagonal to the rest of the chute slowed me enough that I got a hand to the other joint, gripping with my fingers the way I'd once climbed rock faces and the slides of prefabs. And watch the people sail past me, not Davy, not yet, man, woman, parent, child, slum rat, and political colonists, all flying down with echoing cries in the dark opening, lit with a single winking red light, and echoing with the grinding whir of machinery, the wet tearing of flesh and bone, screams cut short, the steaming shit stench of death. I saw the sign saying Severin Corp terraforming and below it warning soil enrichment process. Hanging here, fingers giving way, I realise what that means. I came from dirt and as my last moments collide with the flash of my past, I know that back to dirt I'm heading. Davy! I try to call out to him to warn him, but he's too far away. Any moment I expect to see him fly past me into oblivion. Oh, my sharp boy. Our lives, our bodies are being sacrificed. Ground down for fertiliser so crops can one day grow on the world below us. To feed the true settlers. Fucking corporates. They've been doing this on all the colonies. On the barren rock where they'd sent Sula. Sowing the blood of the worthless to reap a better profit for the worthy. Fucking bloodsuckers. eaters! I spit. I should have known that one way or another all a person is to the corporations is a commodity. With energy no longer a limited resource, they'd turn to any ends to wring the last drop of profit from the corpse of Earth. Their profit modelling AI must have decided it was cheaper and safer to send us alive, reduce the risk of discovery, reduce the chance of spoilage. I want to give up. This hurts so much. It doesn't matter if I die, not if you make it. A little bright-eyed Davy, my son, I whisper. But being a cutter being, means being a fighter. You don't give up. I won't shame you by quitting. Not now, not ever. Every muscle in my arms is burning with the strain, tendons tearing apart. Existence reduces to the grip I have on the weld line. I hope my body breaks their machines. I hope I clog them up so they can't take it any more. I hope you live, my little cutter. Live. Davy, live. My fingers slip.
3: And there you go. Big thank you to Luke. Luke, thank you so much. Honestly, thank you so much indeed. This is a class story. And Pixie, what can I say? More, please. Can we have some more? Yes, thank you indeed. So that is the show. I hope you enjoyed it. 551 put to bed. Like I say, if you at honestly at any point can think about support more on Patreon, the little as two dollars, three dollars, five dollars, ten dollars. There's all sorts of things you get up there as well. And it would just be connected to the show. You get them without the ads, without me waffling on and without the kind of inserted ads for two dollars. Do you know what I mean? $2 a month, man. How man, please. <laughs> right then, until next week, look after yourselves. Good night from me.
0: This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening Yeah, how much
1: I've barely left the ground
0: I'm tuning in to your transmissions I'm mooning, waiting to be found And I'm building rockets I'm pointing them to the moon But the work is going slowly It won't get to you anytime soon Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio I want to talk to you talk to you